Okay, so we're going to talk about praying with the Gospels today. Uh, and we'll start off with a uh, prayer to our Blessed Mother uh, for guidance and our prayer always. So Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of death. Amen. Um, so I, I thought this was kind of a good topic um, just uh, because as we uh, enter into uh, the end of the liturgical season here and also um, approaching the beginning with uh, Advent, um, the uh, idea of reading with uh, the Gospels and trying to draw closer to our Lord um, in this manner is, I think, very important uh, for us as far as Christians because uh, we're not called to follow a set of rules. Uh, we're really called to follow a person uh, in Jesus. And so by reading the Gospels every day, it really gives us that opportunity to experience the life of Christ uh, that the apostles did and give us that same opportunity as they have to really uh, reflect on who Jesus is uh, and what Jesus does in our life for us on a day-to-day basis and how we can see his life in our life every day that those readings really can jump off at the page from us and give us the guidance and direction that the Holy Spirit's trying to give us when sometimes we're at a loss for figuring out things. So I kind of want to start with uh, a reading from Luke um, You know that struck me when I was reading it a week or two ago. Uh, and we'll just start out by reading it, and then uh, just the idea would be to try to put yourself kind of in the situation, whether you're just this person who's standing by, or um, and um, you know, um, or if you're a uh, or um, uh, one of the people in the um, uh, in the. Uh, um, story as well um so let me just pulled up the wrong one let's see Uh, nope missed it where is it thought i had the right one and then i did not All right, so it's uh, Luke 19, uh, starts at verse 28, the entry into Jerusalem. After he said this, he proceeded on his journey up to Jerusalem, and as he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the place called Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. He said, Go into the village opposite you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tethered on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone should ask you, why are you untying it? You will answer, the master has need of it. So those who had been sent off and found everything just as he had told them, as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying this colt? They answered, the master has need of it. So they brought it to Jesus and threw their cloaks over the colt and helped Jesus to mount. And as he rode along, the people were spreading their cloaks on the road And now as he was approaching the slope of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to praise God aloud with joy for all the mighty deeds they had seen. And they proclaimed, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. 
And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he said to them in reply, I tell you, if they keep silent, the stones will cry out. So now that we kind of read this, and maybe there was something that maybe jumped out at you as far as a particular person, or maybe you saw something, uh, you know, uh, a a particular event that I just read. I'm just going to read it one more time and allow yourself to kind of get immersed into that event. So after he said this, he proceeded on his journey up to Jerusalem. As he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. He said, Go into the village opposite you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tethered on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here, and if anyone should ask you, Why are you untying it? You will answer, The master has need of it. So those who had been sent off, sent went off and found everything just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying this colt? They answered, The master has need of it. So they brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks over the colt, and helped Jesus to mount. As he rode along, the people were spreading the cloaks on the road, and now as he was approaching the slope of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to praise God aloud with joy for all the mighty deeds they had seen. They proclaimed, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He said in reply, I tell you, if they keep silent, the stones will cry out. Okay, so now we listen to the the story twice. Um, You know, this is kind of the opportunity. Did something maybe stand out for you as far as a character or a, a person maybe that you saw with the story that really kind of uh, um, was on your heart? I related most with the two uh, disciples that he told to go to the opposite town um, because I believe that I'm called to just do what he says. Mm-hmm. And I liked your point about we're not called to follow a set of rules, we're called to follow a person. And uh, with your introductory com- comments in this reading, those, that's what resonated with me the most. Yeah. And, and, and um, you know, this is... Um... This is kind of two ways that sometimes people, you know, as you might know, read with the Gospels. One is the Lectio Divina, uh, which is kind of the monastic tradition where the monks would read scriptures and then uh, listen with their hearts. And they, the first step would be to place yourself in the presence of God. And then you would read, they would read aloud a short passage, 10 to 15 verses, and then think of a word that sticks to them. And they'd uh um, meditate on that or uh, the verse that stuck with them and they'd reread it and then maybe dialogue with Christ about it. So take that word to Christ. If there's a, a word that jumped out, you know, like, you know, the stones will cry out or something like that, you know, whatever jumps out for people, um, it's an opportunity then to kind of delve into a dialogue with uh, our Lord or with the Holy Spirit or God the Father or, you know, even one of the saints, if you want to talk to one of the saints, especially Barry. Um, this kind of gives an opportunity, and I th- think the important thing we have to emphasize is a dialogue, because it's very easy to get into the monologue of prayer, where we're just 
saying prayers or we're saying words to hear ourselves in our prayer, but it's not going anywhere. And sometimes we have to remember that we're talking to someone in prayer. You know, we're not just sitting there trying to, you know, sometimes like in Bible study, people are like, well, well, what did uh, Luke mean when he wrote this? Or, you know, what was the translation of this word from the original Greek? You know, and trying to break that down historically or theologically, not that th- those aren't good things, but when you're really praying with the gospel, you need to sit there and take whatever it is and um, enter into a dialogue with God, okay? Because um, even if you're talking most of the time, there may be a point where God speaks to you about something or helps highlight something. Uh, and it might be something brought to mind in prayer, or maybe it's a person that was brought to mind in prayer. Um, the other thing is um, kind of contemplating with the gospel where you come to know Christ in a very real way. And sometimes that's uh, this is um, a kind of more of a, what the spiritual exercises in part that uh, St. Ignatius emphasized in contemptible reading of the gospels. But kind of seeing and hearing and tasting and touching and smelling and kind of getting a real sense of, you know, you present in uh, the gospels if you're a bystander or maybe you're, one of the two uh, apostles are going along the way, like you explained. So, you know, what is my experience walking this town, looking for this cult and thinking about that? And that itself can also, when we meditate on ourselves being in that position, can help uh, bring about prayer and thought as well. Um, you know, thinking about what if, you know, um, um, you know, when Christ, for instance, meets uh, Thomas and he says, put your hands in my side, you know, have you ever imagined yourself actually putting your fingers on the side of Christ and just meditating that as a prayer? You know, and it doesn't mean you have to be saying a lot of words. You can just be thinking about touching the side of Christ. I mean, he invited Thomas. He invites us in this, you know, in the gospel as well. Um, and so kind of that idea of reflecting on the gospel, looking for guidance in your life, and sometimes reading it twice, or sometimes just putting your self in that silence after reading it and um sometimes it's okay to be in the mode of silence you don't have to necessarily have something going on um for the gospel uh to be effective um for me when i was reading this a couple weeks ago that stood out to me i actually was thinking about of all things being the cult um because you have a jesus talking about this cult that no one's ridden on so obviously this is a wild horse in some ways you know it's not going to be very docile if anyone tries to sit on it if anyone knows anything about horse you know um, um, uh, um, training you know raising horses and stuff like that um, and, you know you have to do a lot of work for a horse that's never been ridden on there has to be a lot of work to get it to actually be docile and to ride it appropriately and follow the right commands and so you have this colt sitting there tied up you know in some ways wild, uncontrolled, and uh, you have the disciples coming over and telling this person who at that time is not really using the colt for anything, you know, hey, you know, and start untying the colt. So if I'm the colt, I'm like, what's going on? You're probably a little bit freaked out because you don't know these people. They're not familiar to you. Uh, you're a little bit unsure, okay? So I can't imagine this unwritten cult being all very excited and calm when the two disciples come over and try to untie it initially is, you know, what I would imagine. I'd be, if I was the cult, I'd be very scared. And the words that were reassuring to me and gave me a lot of confidence was the words that Jesus commanded the disciples to tell the owner, which is, the master has need of it. 
And bringing that into my prayer life in that heart, thinking about Jesus has need of me. God needs me, right? In theory, we know God doesn't need us really. But God has placed himself in his position to need us. He's made us the co-workers in the truth, as you know Paul writes in his epistles. And so this idea of the master needing me, you know, gives me a whole new sense of purpose in life, of desire in life. And now we can imagine maybe why, you know, even though this is a wild cult, you know, but this cult that's never been ridden on is now having, you know, cloaks being put on top of it and Jesus mounting it. And now this, you know, cult that was serving otherwise no purpose, was wild in nature, is now docile and doing what Jesus wants it to do. And Jesus is riding into glory, into Jerusalem, you know, on the cult. And this idea of how am I allowing Jesus to ride on me to bring him to others uh, and to bring his glory in. And how that idea of Jesus needing me sets me free. It unties me. It, you know, takes me away from my wild, uncontrolled nature and brings me a new sense of purpose. And so that's, you know, everyone can, of course, have, you know, different interpretations. No interpretation is wrong. The Holy Spirit should be the one who's guiding us in prayer life, right? So, you know, there isn't a a right uh, person to reflect upon. Um, but it does show, you know, when we really take the time to look at the gospel and read it and put ourselves there and not just read it as a, a historical document or something like that, how that everyday word can really feed us and nourish us that God wants us to hear. And when we invite the Holy Spirit to guide us, he's going to give us direction. And it might not be an immediate answer, but he might show us things later on in the day or sometime down the road or and I can also say that a lot of times in my life, when I've gone through difficult moments or struggles or thinking about things, passages from the gospel and words that Jesus said pop up in my mind as if God's bringing them back into my memory and saying, you know, you read that three months ago, but I'm bringing this word into your mind to help you with the situation, to give you guidance now. And so that's, uh, I think, another beautiful thing we have to remember about the gospels, about reading that and knowing the life of Christ is that these instances that Christ went through in his life and the disciples and the apostles and their struggles that they went through, the weaknesses that they showed are the same weaknesses we're going through in our own lives today, our own struggles. And this can be very helpful and we're in the moment, you know, and um, sometimes that's how we can transform our work into contemplative action where we can see the divine purpose of why, you know, we're in a moment, you know, like, you know, I've told some of the students uh, in the past about, you know, how, um, uh, you know, I got stuck on a post-call day having to disimpact someone. It was a really, at first I was frustrated because I sent all my interns home and I was like, oh gosh, I just want to go home. I don't want to have to do this nasty, you know, dirty job. And I realized that in the small moment, this is a way, you know, I can serve others and serve Christ just like Christ served us by washing the disciples' stinky feet at the Last Supper. I mean, I'm sure 12 men's feet walking all around those roads were not the uh, cleanest things in the world. Um, and it's a little reminder when I'm doing my own diabetes foot care and everyone's always apologizing to me when I'm taking off their shoes. Oh, my feet stink, or they look bad, or these are nasty, or I got these nasty cuts. 
you don't want to look at that or touch that. Um, just having that same love that the Lord had for the disciples at that moment, how I can bring that in a real life moment, you know, um, and those words of like, what I've done for you, you should do for others, you know. And so that's making the gospel live in our life that can um, really kind of transform it and also bring us closer to Christ. Um, and finally, just kind of want to end on the note, um, it was interesting, I was listening to a uh, uh, podcast today that uh, was kind of a meditation podcast, and uh, the uh, priest was talking about one of the letter of St. John, where he talked about John talking about what love is, and he says, this is love, that not that we love God first, but that he loved us first. And then it goes on there to say, love drives out all fear, and sometimes we're thinking about our lives of trying to live our in our life to love God and we sometimes have the checklist of prayers we have to do the day or for go to mass you know on a more frequent basis than just on Sunday or something like that we kind of look at as our relationship with God is uh, what can I do for God today to love him and it was a great reminder of uh, John showing us that actually really love is starts really with us experiencing God's love. Obviously, he's love itself, and he is the one who brings love to us. We can't love God without experiencing God's love. And so when we try to, on our own, serve God and just go out there and live, you know, love God, but we don't have that prayer life, that interior life where we're drawing on the love of God in our hearts and seeing how he's working in our life, then it's impossible for us to love God in return because only when we experience the love of God and have his life in us can we then love God back. Uh, And so um, we want to, first of all, before, um, you know, we do any type of action, realize that it's really an interior prayer life and small sacrifices and mortification that we make throughout the day that are going to allow us to have fruitful action you know that's why jesus says you know you know you are um i am the vine you are the branches without me you can do nothing and commands the apostles at the last supper in john's gospel to abide in him and so reading the gospels really allows us to abide in christ to experience God's love and affection for us, even in our fallenness and our sinfulness and our weakness, because the love that God is showing us today is the same love he's going to show us in heaven, okay? He can see how we will look in our glorified state in our body and soul united in heaven, as well as our state right now. It's the same. He can see both at the same time, and he does. And so he loves us not just who we aspire to be, which is obviously you know in heaven with him, but as we are now, and really, heaven is just uh, the compl- perfected uh, uh, experience of God's love, you know. But that love is here for us now, and so we can experience more and more heaven here on earth and the blessings of God right now by allowing ourselves to be loved and feel the love of God. Uh, heaven doesn't have to wait until after we die, you know. That's what. You know, the Mass is the foretaste of heaven, which is God's greatest gift of love to us, which is the sacrifice on the cross. So 
God's loving us right now the same way as he's going to love us in heaven. And even with all our weaknesses, he sees he loves us as we are right now. There's not a partial love we're receiving from God now and a greater love that we'll receive from God later. It's the same one love, you know. And as Jesus tells us, God has the rainfall on the just and unjust. And he has the rainfall on our unjust selves as well as the just selves. So if we want to experience the joy and happiness of heaven, the more we experience God's love now, the, the closer we are to that. Yeah. So, all right. So um, to kind of conclude, we'll do a uh, glory be to ask God to help us always live uh, love for God and give him glory, as we say. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and shall be, world without end. Amen. Father, Son. Amen.